And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. Today we're looking at Frailty. A mysterious man arrives at the offices of an FBI agent and recounts his childhood. How his religious fanatic father received visions telling him to destroy people who were in fact, quote, demons, unquote. Uh, released theatrically in the United States April 12, 2002 but actually premiered the previous year, November 7th, 2001, at the Deep Ellen Film Festival. I saw it during its theatrical release in 2002, so I don't know how we want to rank this movie as a 2001 or a 2002-er. Um, I had put 2001 on everything in my notes, and then when I actually looked back, I saw it, it hit the theaters 2002. So uh, I guess it's a 2002 movie. But no, I remember going there uh, opening weekend. I saw it with my buddy Brad Melody. And um, we walked out of this movie with our minds completely fucking blown. This was this was something we. I mean, we knew it was it was uh, directed by Bill Paxton, um, so I think we knew about it because of that. Uh, should also mention it was written by written by Brent Hanley, stars Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey, Powers Booth. Um, we, yeah, we kind of went because we heard Bill Paxton made a horror movie. I don't think we really knew who Matthew McConaughey was too much at that point. Or, or maybe we had known him from um, Days the Confused, maybe. But uh, we were completely blown away. We This was one of those ones that I, I'm pretty sure we sat in the parking lot talking about, in the parking lot of the movie theater talking about for a good half hour afterwards. And uh, as, as long as we've been doing this podcast, I think you and I have been threatening to cover this movie. So it was nice to finally get to it. Daniel, what was your, uh, how'd you come across this one? Yeah, so I came across this one when I was a kid. Uh, it was either my dad or grandfather owned it on VHS. And I was I watched it. Um, I thought it was really cool as a kid, but I haven't watched it since. And, and I watched it for this episode, and I was like, man, this is awesome. I was like, for it to be Bill Paxton, and then you get early Matthew McConaughey in it. Yeah. Uh, I really liked uh, the story, uh, which was rent, what you said by Brent Henley, uh, or Hanley. But he, um, I don't think he really did too much after this, which I was kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I want go on. I, I was just, I, I kind of noticed that, but I felt like, uh, I felt like there, it, this movie just fit in with the time. Uh, you had a lot of movies kind of like this like fallen or seven kiss the girls just this weird psychological thriller um but it was different it was like i felt like bill paxton kind of made it i don't know relatively original like i would say that through the whole time i i I enjoyed it and i even noticed that while watching it um because i couldn't remember some things so it was kind of cool. So it was like one of those moments where like I'm I'm watching it kind of again for the first time. And you start seeing these little just these little things that he would do. Um I just really liked his character and how caring he was and and like this dad, right? This single dad motive. Mm-hmm. But then like God came down and talked to him and like I mean it was just to me it was it was a a really cool character aspect of his that he he i mean which i guess it was you know the angel told him but like um 
he like brought his sons into it really fast and I don't know. Like it, it was just different. It's a whole other mental level of psychological thriller to me. Right. Cause if, uh, if you're not familiar with the movie, um, you, you do spend, um, the majority of the film, not knowing whether or not he's actually getting these messages from God or if, uh, he's, fucking gone insane and um it plays with you know the film plays with the audience about whether about what's going on there's multiple the end the last 20 minutes is basically twist after twist after twist there's multiple reveals um that we can get into or we can we can not give away i mean the movie's fucking 21 years old i think i don't know if we could really spoil it at this point but um yeah i mean first you find out that uh you know, so the like like the the kind of summary suggests it's uh, the movie is told uh, Matthew McConaughey's character is in the present or the present for two thousand one at least. Uh, he's in the present and he is recounting his childhood to this FBI agent played by Powers Booth, and um, Powers Booth is an FBI agent tracking a serial killer that's been active in Texas recently. And Matthew McConaughey is suggesting that that serial killer is his brother. And um, that now that his brother committed suicide, he's there to come clean to this FBI agent and bring him in on why his brother was killing people. And also starts telling the FBI agent, played by Powers Booth, about his own childhood, which is where his father, who in the flashback is played by Bill Paxton, was... uh, like you said, relatively normal, caring father, really making an effort to uh, raise his two kids in light of their mother. Uh, The mother died during childbirth for the younger brother. So she's been, it's it's really been these three boys for, for most of their lives. And um, yeah. And they, uh, one day he gets, he gets visions of uh, angels that are God with whatever telling him to, kill demons that are lurking in society masquerading as people and it doesn't really say whether or not these are actual supernatural beings or they're just shitheads like i I feel like it doesn't necessarily make that clear well it kind of does uh towards the end when you feel um, like it does yeah he you remember he said that he could see he could see them and then at the end, uh, Matthew McConaughey, who is, you know, a, his character, uh, whenever he is with the FBI agent, he sees what happened with his mom. Right. But I mean, but that's, he sees the, the heinous acts that these people committed. So like, really, it's about serial killers hunting. It's like Dexter. Yeah, it's it's like the you know the the people that are that are following God's command, um, which we find out at the end is actually happening. Like that that's that's the one of the many twists and reveals at the end of the film is that Bill Paxton's character is not insane. Um, he was being given messages by God, and these people were heinous criminals that needed to be stopped. Um, but w- what the heinous criminals are doing is they're kind of they're all kind of serial killers in their own right. One guy is kills little kids. One woman um, just 
slit someone's throat in bed for God knows what reason. And then the last guy they killed just seems like a jag off. Like, I don't know. He's fucking yelling at his wife and shit. Um, and, but, but it doesn't say whether or not those are supernatural beings. Like we they know just that, say that there's demons in them, but yeah, we know that right. they're bad people doing bad shit, but we don't right. know if they're actually like you know possessed by the ghost of the nephilim or fucking whatever. <laughs> the ghost <laughs> of the nephilim, <laughs> whatever, whatever their concept of demons are. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. The I just re-listened. I re-listened to it old because we did our Spotify rap for this year, and right. the ep- the episode that. Um, of uh, the Wednesday show that got the most listens was this one where we were, we were talking about uh, red rooms and, and uh, the dark web and stuff. But yeah, there was yeah. this big thing in the beginning where we're talking about how I had, I had read this book about the Nephilim and in it, it suggests that demons are the ghosts of Nephilim, which I completely forgot about. So that's why it was. Oh, I, I actually had no idea. That's the thing. Well, I don't know if that is the thing, but, well, I, right, mean, but the, like, the, I, I didn't even know that was like a theory. These screwballs, yeah, well, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, this is very, um, this is very, a couple couple things I want to touch on. This is a a very Old Testament view of God. This is a movie that, um, you know, you brought up up Seven and stuff, but what I thought, what this movie reminded me of the most when I rewatched it for this show was Signs. Because it's it's a, um, it's a movie about faith, right? Right. And, um, you know, we kind of had this post 9-11 um, sneering, just, you know, we were in a very dark time as a country. And, like, um, this movie is very pro-faith, but in a very kind of crazy way. Um, you You spend most of the movie thinking that, mistaking, I would say, mistaking... Bill Paxton's characters like fervent um, faith in God to be mental illness. And I think as an audience, we're almost conditioned to do that and expect that from our characters. And anybody being that extreme in their belief and adherent to God's word must be a fucking lunatic, right? They got to be crazy. There's no way. There's no way. And what the movie reveals at the end is, oh yes, there, yes, this is all real. He he was being told by God to do this. These were terrible people that he was supposed to kill, and he made the world a better place by doing it. And even his own son, right? Because that's one of the reveals at the end was that one of his sons was a quote unquote demon that he was supposed to kill, and he couldn't do that, right? And that kid grows up to be a serial killer. So hmm. it's like. He he did prevent more destruction of innocent life by killing those demons, right? So he was fulfilling God's will. He was he was making the world a better place, and it was. And you see the emotional toll it takes on his character. It's not something that he takes lightly, but it's something that he has absolute faith in what he's doing. He's still conflicted. He knows he's doing bad things. He knows he's doing things that mo- other people might not understand or might, you know, he might be judged for if he was ever caught. But he knows what he experienced. He believes in himself. He believes in the visions and the messages that he thinks that he's getting from God. And he acts on them. 
And that's not something we see in a lot of movies. And we it's not something we see from a protagonist either. Like th- this is a this is kind of a um it's a morality tale. It reminded me a lot of like EC comics or something, and I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I was uh, I was going through some interviews with Bill Paxton and he compared it to an episode of The Twilight Zone. And I think that is almost a little bit better of a fit to it. You know, what's really funny is actually I had in my notes that this reminded me of an episode of the X-Files. Yeah. So not necessarily one of their uh, like alien ones, but one of their kind of like monster of the week ones. Yeah. Yeah. Monster of the week. Actually, that's, that's literally what I was thinking. One that's not necessarily canon, but something that's just like off the wall and they just kind of come in at the end and figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, it did it? It did. I like that. I never thought. I didn't. I didn't see that he compared it to that. But yeah, no, that's uh, that was a good one. Yeah, and it's it it does it does feel like because it's set. So if it's set in, uh, you know, it was, it was came out in two thousand one, two thousand two. But it's it kind of flashes back to like the late seventies. Right. It does. It does kind of have a TV vibe to it a little bit, especially because there's no blood or gore. That's something that I noticed watching it this most recent time. Is that it's got an R rating. I don't think there's a ton of vulgarity. There's no nudity, unfortunately. There's no boobs. Um, <laughs> but there, it, and there's really no blood either. Like when when he, all the kills kind of happen off screen. Right. You know what I mean? And and you'll see them like after you know that he dismembers the bodies and then buries them. Right. And you'll you'll see them kind of bloody and dirty, but that's kind of it. Yeah. It is interesting it got an R rating now that I think about it. Because it Yeah, wasn't, now I'm thinking about it too. Yeah, it wasn't really that graphic. It's very intense. Like I don't know. I could see little kids being disturbed going to see it. Um but it doesn't right. really feel like an R-rated horror movie, you know. Uh-huh. Okay, let's see. On IMDb, usually it has like a little uh, section of like what it has, like it, it like a star rating. Oh, here we go. Sorry, it's color coded. Um, there is no sex and nudity. There is moderate violence and gore, mild profanity. Uh mild alcohol drugs and smoking but the frightening and intense scenes is severe i mean i thought it was effective as a i could see that maybe it was an effective movie you know so i guess it was thematic thematically intense i guess is how they rank it Uh, maybe it's because it deals with children also yeah that could probably be something yeah yeah, I, I'd be interested to see if if he kind of gladly took that R rating, or if they if they push back on it. Because sometimes, in some cases, they like the R rating because it makes it seem more adult. Or like I remember when George Lucas got a PG thirteen for uh, Revenge of the Sith, and he fucking wore that thing like it was a badge of honor. Well, this one's a little bit more intense than your ever Star Wars. Get the fuck out of here! You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> you fucking jerk. It should have just been PG. I thought it was I mean, just about the same intensity. Yeah, but he. But like I said, sometimes when they get that that sterner rating, they're like, oh, you know. So for this, I could see them kind of getting an R and being like, yeah, that's fine. This is geared towards adults anyway. I just think that the ratings have softened up over the years. Like they're. 
Like, I feel like a lot of rated R films, I'm just like, really? That was rated R? Because whenever I go see a movie, if it's a horror movie and it's rated R, you're already, in my head, you're already expected to have good, probably either visual effects or there's going to be a lot of profanity or a lot of nudity. There's like, those are the three big ones, right? In horror films. So, so if I ever go see a horror film and it's rated R, I already have an expectation that you have to fill. (laughs) And if it's, if it doesn't hit that, usually it doesn't do well for me. Uh, I need, I need, this one did fine, but I'm trying to think of a movie in the past that was rated R that I was like, really? That was rated R. But I, I'm it's hard right now. But uh Yeah, this movie was I think the scenes were pretty effective. I think uh I, I think all the things that were off camera still get the job done. The killings off camera, you still know by the actors uh facial expressions that, you know, <laughs> they just saw somebody's head get decapitated. Um every time Bill Paxton cracked open that beer off <laughs> off camera, which that made me laugh. I was I actually had to look that up because I noticed that, and I know that's a really weird thing to look up. I don't know if you'd ever noticed that, but he had that old beer can, and it just looked old, and it looked like the same beer can. Well, it was the same beer can. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, that was funny. <laughs> and, and no, every time I saw it, I was like, what is going on with that beer can? And he also always kept it kind of like hidden away. So I don't know. I thought it was funny, but I did see that it was one beer can. They only was able to find that, that kind of beer. And, uh, yeah, old school hams. Yeah. I thought that was cool though, that they, uh, popped it off camera. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about, you brought up the, um, the writer, Brent Hanley. Yeah. And uh, he didn't do a whole lot after this, but one of the things he did do is he wrote an episode of Masters of Horror, and it was one of the episodes that John Landis did, um, the the family episode. It's called Family, and it stars George Went, and I think he's like a cannibal or something. Did you ever have you seen any of the Masters of Horror? I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh... I was a huge fan of that series. Um, I didn't have Showtime when it first ran, but they would release everything on DVD afterwards. And uh, and sometimes they would be longer cuts or they would be... Um, they would have special features, interviews with the directors. So I, I would just buy the DVDs. And they were relatively cheap because it was just like an hour, an hour, 10-minute movie on there. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I saw the 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 uh, dreams house and dreams in the witch house from Stuart Gordon. I saw that yeah, one. There's, oh, there's uh, actually a couple of these that I've seen. Takashi Miike did one um, that the didn't imprint? actually, yeah, that didn't actually air, but um, you could get the DVD. You could get oh, the DVD. Holy shit. I I think I know what I'm gonna do tonight. <laughs> well, I don't know if these are are these still available anywhere. I mean, they. I. I could if they're still on Showtime, right? I don't know if they are. But I. Yeah. I. I think it would be neat to do a couple of these for. Because uh, these were legit movies. The John Carpenter one, Cigarette Burns, is fucking awesome. The Cigarette Burn one, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's a very like, that's a very kind of um, 
rehashed story that you hear a lot. It's about like media that makes people go crazy. It's kind of it retreads like the King in Yellow and at the Mountains of Madness, right? Yeah, you know, he's John Carpenter's really big into that. Yeah, um, Pro Life is the other Carpenter one, right? Or no, is that what I'm thinking? Pro Life, yeah. Is, yeah. Where they, where they, where they're going to an abortion clinic, and there's protesters trying to stop, trying to like get into the abortion clinic. It's basically Assault on Precinct 13, even shorter. And uh, it's Assault on Precinct 13 abortion clinic, and what they're trying to abort is the Antichrist from being born. And oh, okay. there's people trying to stop them because they don't, they think it's just like a bait. It's, it's, right. it, it's pretty fucking good. Um, there's some of the other ones. Uh, yeah, there's a couple Edgar Allan Poe ones. There's a couple Lovecraft ones. Yeah, um, I was just looking at some of those because I saw Stuart Gordon pop up twice, and I was like, "Oh, did he do another uh, Lovecraft?" Because you know that's that's him. That's the Lovecraft guy. But it was uh, Edgar Allan Poe, which again, it's for for a lot of these guys, that's like the same thing. Yeah, there was. Um... I forget which one. So the the very first one and like one of the best ones was Don Coscarelli, uh, an incident on and off a mountain road, which is about a chick that um, had an abusive, crazy uh, survivalist husband played by Ethan Embry. And he used to just kind of like, he was very abusive towards her and made her do all kinds of crazy, like survivalist shit. And he was like a racist. And I get, you know, kind of a, I don't know. Right now, if you saw his character and portrayed in today's media, I'm sure he would be much more politicized. But this was like 20 years ago. So he was just like crazy redneck dude. But he, he, he like taught her all these survival skills. And then her car breaks down on the side of the road and she's chased by this monster that's got like a moon for a face. Who's like totally like a separate thing that happens. But she's got all these skills now that this guy taught her, and she uses. So I don't know what the message of the movie is supposed to be. <laughs> like, right. you know, thank your abusive like redneck ex boyfriend or something. But like, and uh, it's a pretty good one, and it's Don Coscarelli. It's fucking fantastic guy. So it's it's worth checking out. Um. Uh. What well, there was a guy. I think his name is Lucky McGee. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else he's done. But I remember his was really awesome, too. Oh, uh, Sick Girl. Sick Girl was the episode he did, yeah. Yeah. But as far as, like, what kind of propelled him into stardom, I don't know. Uh, He did... All cheerleaders die, May, and then the woods came out around that same time that that TV show came out. I don't think I've seen any of those though. Uh, the woods I've seen, and then he does a couple other movies that I don't really know. Um, he did a segment for uh, Tales of Halloween. Yeah, Ding which Dong. I, I think I've seen, and then uh, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, the writer of Getting Back to Frailty, when I do Masters of Horror, I think that's a goal mine that we should pick through at some point. Um, yeah, I think, it, what else did I have in my notes? It reminded me of True Detective a little bit, because it's not outwardly supernatural. 
um, very minimalist with the supernatural elements, but pl- and kind of plays them just as mental illness. Mm-hmm. But uh, it illustrates how religious fanaticism and mental illness look near identical <laughs> to right. the people that don't have faith. Um, very Hitchcocky, and I felt with the way that it, it it shot the murders, the way it kind of zooms in on their faces. Oh yeah. Um, I had read in, in some of the interviews with Bill Paxton about how he showed it to um, John, uh, James Cameron, Sam Raimi, and Ivan Reitman to get notes on it, which I thought was cool. I do, um, too. And it's all people from his past. Yeah. Like, I like the fact that it was he was able to get like the help from people that were probably mentors to him, and they all pitched in and like really... I was reading something about it too, and it was just like how much they helped him with the movie. Uh, well, there's there's a big Texas connection too, because all the all the actors are from Texas. Uh, right. Matthew McConaughey, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, they're all from like the um, and it, it's premiere at the Deep Ellum Film Festival. Deep Ellum is like I don't know how you would just like the Orange County of like the Dallas Fort Worth area. Oh, okay. Like, or like not not as weird as Austin, Texas, which is like notorious for being like this bohemian little refugee. It's, in, in, it's in everything. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a it's the it is the melting pot of the country, right? That's Austin, Texas. Yeah, Deep Ellum is kind of uh, it, it's kind of artsy, and um, so him having the premiere at the uh, Deep Ellum Film Festival, obviously he was trying to keep it very close to his roots and, and doing right. the Texas thing. If I I didn't the seeing that he that he had Ramey look at it and kind of give him notes on it. I feel like it draws most of its influence from that Cameron. I mean, I love James Cameron, especially that era of James Cameron when he was still doing like stuff like aliens and true lies. Um, I mean, he's a solid filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking shit, but I don't, this doesn't feel like a Cameron movie, you know? No, it doesn't. Uh, I, I see what you're talking about though. I can yeah. see what you mean. I think with James Cameron, I think for the help that he probably got from him, was probably more of uh, dialogue. Sure. Maybe. Because James, Cam- I feel like James Cameron, well, and not saying, obviously Bill Paxton didn't like write the movie, but I'm sure like he had uh, some opinions on the writing. So mm-hmm. maybe he took a little bit of dialogue or maybe just direction, like on stage direction, because he is a star of the movie. So maybe the way that he was acting would have been the way that... Uh, James, like a James Cameron character would have acted uh, like Terminator 2 or because uh, not really. I'm trying to think of Terminator 2 and Aliens. I'm trying to think of movies that Bill Paxton's been in under James Cameron. <laughs> and well, uh, first thing he would have been in would have been Near Dark, which his wife at the time, Catherine Bigelow, uh, directed. But that was I think that's how he got introduced to um I don't know what came first, Near Dark or um, Aliens, but there's a there's a couple crossovers there. Um, Lance Hedrickson's in both. Bill Paxton's in both. Uh, Lance Hedrickson's wife in Near Dark is the um, Hispanic chick that plays like the Space Marine. Oh, I, right. I don't want to say Chavez, cause, but that might actually be her fucking name. Um, but yeah, all those movies came out like. Or there's a big crossover there because that was his wife, right? So I don't know if she met, if he met him, and I'm gonna look that up right now. 
Yeah, Aliens was 86. I think Near Dark was the year before that, but who knows? Near Dark was 87. Wow, the year after. Okay. <laughs> so then that's why. Wow. So you know how this is blowing my mind. Bill Paxton was in Stripes. Yes. With Ivan Reitman, who directed it. I wondered where the Ivan Reitman thing came in from. Because I'm like, how the fuck did... I don't know if maybe they were neighbors or something. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Paxton was in Terminator as well. Yeah. Well, okay. Terminator 2, right? No, Terminator 1. As oh, the he punk, was in the... The punk leader. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I For some reason, I definitely thought it was... Terminator 2, but yeah, you're right. He's in Aliens. Yeah, it's Aliens 2. Well, Alien Hudson. 2 and then, yeah, Aliens. Yeah. And then Near Dark is 87. And then he, the Sam Raimi film is, what is it, Simple uh, Simple Man or something like that? Yeah. Or Simple Plan? Simple Plan, yeah. Simple Plan, yeah. Which I remember being like I wouldn't mind rewatching that because I remember that being like a perfect movie. Simple plan. Well, that's ninety eight. I'll still rewatch it. Um, no, very... I actually heard like the same thing. I heard Simple Plan is what made Sam Raimi, uh, basically, be wanted around like Hollywood because, and then he, and then he did Spider Man. <laughs> oh, you know what we got to do next now? Because I'm looking at it right fucking here. What? Club Dread. Oh yeah, of course. I already, <laughs> dude. I, we're already doing it. We might as well just do a whole Broken Lizard thing. <laughs> this is how I think for 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 the next. We'll round out. Uh, we'll round out 2022 with. Uh, I want to get. I want to get fucking Club Dread in there. Okay. Man. Do we still do? Is there? We still have one more. Uh... Uh oh yeah. Uh what's his name? Edgar Wright movie. Edgar though. Wright. What yeah. do we have? Oh oh uh End World's of the World. End. World's End, yeah. Yeah. So we got And then World's the documentary. End. And then yeah, well I was gonna say, and then if you wanted to do that documentary. I feel like it would be only fair. He put a lot of work into it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the least we could do is watch it. <laughs> yeah. Have, so we can you... uh we'll figure out the details, but we'll get Club Dread in there. Yeah. I love that movie. It was good to see Matthew McConaughey. And this is, I I was looking at it, because I'm trying to figure out when he was on my radar. I don't, I still think he was relatively unknown to me and my friends at this point. Right. But I saw the next year he had Reign of Fire come out. Have you ever seen that one? That's like one of Christian Bale's first movies. Yeah, it's been a minute, but yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and Matthew McConaughey looks like a he looks like a, a post-apocalyptic Phil Ensemble from Parent Terra, where he's got like this shaved head but this crazy beard, and he jumps out of helicopters with fucking axes and fights yeah. dragons and shit. Like it's, it's definitely a movie, right? Like it's like when you like I mean there are some people out there that's like okay, okay, so let's talk about like 2022 real quick, right? Yeah. Like when people, I think the majority of America's favorite movie right now. Is probably still Top Gun Maverick, and that movie was a blockbuster. It was probably I actually haven't seen it yet, but it was crazy. It was it was what America needed. 
It was, you know, something like that. It was just off the wall. It was a movie and it was a thrill ride. It was a roller coaster, but in a good sense of a roller coaster, you know, not the way that Tarantino or James Cameron or anybody else looks at the Marvel cinematic universe. But, Mm. but yeah, I think that it, uh, I don't know. I think people, you know, like that kind of stuff. And especially what, like post 2001 rain of fire. I, yeah. Actually, I feel like Rain of Fire did really good. Um, I think it. I think it was. Uh, I think it came mock. out. I think it was later that it did good. Like it, it's kind of a cult classic now, but it yeah. has a cult following. I would say. Yeah, I mean, well, I remember seeing that one in the theater. We were we were fucking stoked about it. We got high as shit and saw that. <laughs> and then we were just like, "Who's this other guy?" Like Christian Bale had no idea who he was. It was, and then he like, becomes Batman like right after. Right. Yeah. So it is kind of weird looking back during that time and then like watching the Batmans and realizing where these guys came from right before. Yeah, George Clooney, I mean, he was uh he was the last Batman before that. He was I liked him because he was in From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Like I I knew him from ER. Like he was on ER and I actually remember from Roseanne before fucking that. But, um, and if you really want to go back, he was in, uh, Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. And was he? that, yes. And that is actually a very, very, very good movie. Huh. I couldn't, I would recommend, I mean, trust me, like we're doing Frailty because Frailty is a great film. Revenge of yeah. Killer Tomatoes is an even better film. <laughs> I would put Revenge of Killer Tomatoes. It's, it's. In my top twenty of all time, it's a it's a very solid flick. The first attack of the Killer Tomatoes is really lo-fi and weird because it's just basically they wanted to make this movie and they would just have tomatoes roll at people and they didn't have any budget. It was just kind of like, how could we make this gag work for ninety minutes? And they did it and it was successful. But then when they gave them the money to do Return of the Killer Tomatoes, it was this super meta, real funny. The guy that played Gomez is Adams is is the evil scientist that came up. No, with No, I see that, tomatoes. dude. I'm so on board for it's uh, it's a return yeah. of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, it's on it's, Tubi. Oh my god, yeah, it, it, it's I cannot recommend it enough. And this was we should probably mention uh, Frailty was on HBO Max. That's how I caught it. Yeah, that's so, also how I caught it. Yeah, if you have HBO Max, it's free. So check it out. But uh, but I'd say before you watch that, you got to watch Return of the Tomatoes. Early early George Clooney, it's super uh, it's super funny. It's super it's just it's like it's like trauma, USA up all night. Just like a lot of fun, right? Um, but yeah, other than that though, I mean, if you weren't if you didn't watch ER and you didn't watch crap like From Dust Till Dawn or Return of the Killer Tomatoes, you really didn't know who George Clooney was. I mean, he yeah, wasn't that me, big of a star. Yeah. yeah, for me, George Clooney, I kind of found out about him from uh, Batman and The Perfect Storm. Oh, the boat movie? <clears throat> yeah. I don't think I saw that. Oh, it was pretty good. It has Marky Mark in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what happens with movies like that, where like if I didn't see it opening weekend, and it's then gone forever, someone would come back and be like, "Oh, people die in it." I'd be like, "All right, fuck it." Well. There you go. <laughs> like, my, like I was probably the girl I was dating at the time saw it before me with her mom, right. and then was like, "Oh my god, they're like all die in the boat," and I'm like, "Well, fucking all right." Whatever. Yep, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool movie. I liked it. I mean, it's a sad movie, but like, yeah, 
No, it was one of the ones that... I mean, as far as uh, George Clooney goes, or even like Marky Mark, right? Like Mark Wahlberg movies. Like, if you want one that's a little bit more serious, <laughs> check that one out for him. Or, you know, because all these all-today movies, he just plays himself with a thicker Boston accent. Yeah. It, That's it what was, people want from him. We uh, we watched Ted the other day, and I was like, when did Mark Wahlberg make the transition from being a serious actor? Which is how I knew. I mean, I remember from Boogie Nights like, right. and all that stuff. And then he like started. He did that movie with Will Ferrell, and then the other guys. Yeah, yeah and was that the? Is, that was like his first movie, kind of transitioning to comedy. Yeah, but he was, but he was still serious. Yeah, right. Huh. But he, that was the joke was that he was right, a comedy, that, but he was the straight man. Right. And then <laughs> Ted, that scene when he's like, uh, he's like, guess my guess my uh, girlfriend's name. She's got a real white trash name. <laughs> He goes, Mandy, Sarah, fucking, he goes through like all these names. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's no, one of those little Lynn. Ted's a good one. <laughs> those are actually pretty good movies. I just, uh, on our trip, um, we watched, was it A Million Ways to Die in the West? That was on. I was thinking, when I was thinking, because I remember seeing that in the theater after, after Ted, and I didn't think it was terrible, but I think. No, I didn't think it was bad. I just liked all the, like the the people in it right all the actors that came together to do it yeah yeah well after that he was probably like i think i don't think that was a huge hit and then he just did ted too and i don't think that was a huge hit either so he's now he's done yeah. but i wish i had i'd spent time watching that orville the uh his i watched that thing. it's pretty good the orville, is it yeah i like it instead of, i don't think it's bad at all i like it and then scott grimes is in it and i liked him from band of brothers speaking of which i was going to talk about uh Donnie Wahlberg and how he still plays the serious roles rather than his brother. So I know all about Donnie Wahlberg in this. Yeah, because Donnie's in uh Band of Brothers as well. No. Okay, you're going there with it. And no, my, so, wa- my wife is a huge New Kids on the Block fan. Oh yeah, New Kids on the Block. Huge, yeah. huge. I have seen New Kids on the Block with her probably as much as I've seen like Aerosmith or any band that I actually give a fuck about. Like <laughs> I like you don't. I, I know all their names. Donnie Wahlberg lives like forty five minutes from me. Oh really? Uh, yeah, because he married Jenny McCarthy, and she's yeah. from around here. So they don't. I mean, they don't live in the old neighborhood anymore. Like <laughs> they're out, they're out in the burbs. But yeah, when he's not shooting Blue Bloods, he's over here. And there's a Wahlbergers uh, in the area, and I don't know. Whenever they're in town for new kids, they do a they do sign they sign shit over at the Wahlberger and. Hmm. Goofy shit, goofy fucking yeah. shit. I like boys to men. But <laughs> okay. If we're, if we're gonna get to if we're gonna get into the uh, boy band stuff, I like boys to men a little bit more. But <laughs> Motown Philly, the Motown <laughs> Philly sound, yeah. So, but right. that's if we're doing boy band stuff. But you know, right. but we're not. We're doing Bill Paxson stuff. <laughs> so coconut Pete, coconut so, Pete, I, man. Cl- Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I was basically, my closing thought was going to be, yeah. uh, I want people to watch this because I want people to see how versatile Bill Paxton is, right? Like he, you watch his movies, 
you could see what he does as an actor. This movie gives you uh, what you can see in the mind of Bill Paxton when he is the director. And I think it's really awesome. And he even, the way that he even set this movie up, when you watch it for that second time around, um, it's basically just as good as the first time because now your perspective is just, you, you it's all laid out for the viewer now. And I like that. Like, I like how the first time things are kind of hidden and the second time it's, it's still good. Like it, it's not one of those movies that you have to put on the shelf for years. You know, it's something that you might be able to get out a little bit later and be like, Oh, I never got to notice that because now it's every, everything's right there for you. So you can kind of, you get to uh, digest it a little better. It's definitely one of those movies um, that holds up to multiple viewings, and in in line with like I'd say even like Fight Club. Um, I I saw this in the theater. I remember being not anticipating any of the the um, uh, flips or however you say it, like you know, like the um, the surprises, the reveals, um, the twists. Did not yeah, expect. The and there's so many in this that when I sat down to watch it last night, preparation for this episode, I rem- I thought I remembered all the twists, and I didn't. And I was still surprised watching it last night. Uh, and so it, it really holds up. And the stuff that I knew to look for, I was like, okay. And you see that he does, he, he does lay the breadcrumbs, um, especially with the very, very, very last reveal the very, very, very last twist about Matthew McConaughey's profession. Um, I completely forgot about that. And there was, you know, dialogue between him and Powers Booth that pretty much lays it out right in front of you. Yeah. And you don't even notice it at the time because you're so... uh, It's great actors giving great dialogue. uh, A little bit goofy of a plot. I love any movie that kind of gets its hands dirty, rolls up its sleeves, and really looks at religion a little bit. And that's what this does too, and I don't think we spent enough time talking about that. Uh, but that's that's one of this film's like real big selling points is that it uh, it's a movie about faith, and it's a movie about religion, and it's a movie about Christianity, it's a movie about God, and 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 as far as the the Old Testament version of God goes, uh, you know this is this is very in line with that, and it's very disturbing kind of to watch, but. They're not making shit up. They're not. They're not really treading new ground as far as what they have. The Lord having men do. Um, you know, there's plenty of. Uh, I don't know. Very Abrahamic, but uh, it, it's 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 good. It's definitely worth checking out. Very interesting. Sometimes overlooked movie. And as we continue on with this show, hopefully we celebrate Bill Paxton more, and we'll get into some of his uh, better works. You know but this was a good one. I dug it. (laughs) It is dug.